Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So welcome on to part two of our awards. We went so long and into such detail that we needed to take it to a part two. If you're listening to this on the free feed, this is a free preview of Dunktown Prime. I hope you'll consider signing up where you'll get five to six episodes per week ad free. The link, of course, is in the podcast description. Enjoy part two. We're going to get started here with Coach of the Year. There are a couple interesting places to go, but I I, want to go to Coach of the Year. And it's always hard in a small sample, you know, we're talking about 20-ish games to evaluate who's doing a really good job, who is, and how much of it is, you know, shooting luck, opponent shooting luck, and everything else. So, and, and I would say, overall, I think a lot of coaches are doing very good jobs so far. So, you get into some some challenges here, and I don't always fall back on who I think the best coach is. Um, I know you, you've talked pretty openly about how that's something that matters to you. It's also how we predict the word. But my number one is somebody that I think very highly of as a regular season coach, and my number one is Mike Boone. Really? Yeah. I mean, the Bucks are currently eighth in cleaning the glass step rating. They're 12 and eight, despite having four of their five full strength starters missing extended time. And the Bucks do have some good gap fillers. I mean, Grayson Allen acquiring him, he stepped in ably, but this is not a team that I thought of as being, you know, that I thought of that could, could weather that level of storm. And for me, it's the way I think of coach of the year generally is how well have you done relative to what you have? And yes, they do have the player that I currently chose for number two in MVP and a lot of the stuff doesn't work when he's off the floor, but I'm super impressed with how how well they have how well they have done overall, despite just the avalanche of crap that hasn't derailed them the way that. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you that Mike Budenholzer hasn't done a good job so far, but I'm going to go with the guy whose team is playing at a 70 win pace in both their record and their net rating that we thought was going to be a six seed before the year. I'm going to go with the coach of that team. Totally fair. Yeah, and Kerr is, Kerr is firmly in in that top group for me i ha- i technically have him third but i think he's a better coach than the guy i have second so yeah i mean kerr the challenge that i always have dealing with him in terms of the coaching job is that i do think he benefits from having the the best offensive player in the league and you know that it that the system offensively works a lot better when steph curry's on the floor surprise surprise he does use him well but get into that and defensively we had a i didn't get want to get into the weeds with you with this but i think the warriors have a lot of good defenders and they're also as you mentioned getting crazy opponent shooting luck so far so that is you know it's it's looking phenomenal right now and the fact that they're like defensive rebounding and a lot of the things that effort can control they're doing really well um but the team that I, the guy who i have second it ties into something that you said before the season and i thought it was a totally well, fair well can, can i can i follow up with with kerr a little bit sure um in addition to just how high above preseason expectations the warriors have been yeah you know, it's very easy to go back and say oh yeah well i guess they did have way better players than we thought they did or something like that but uh here, here's a few things that that i think kerr has done a great job of. he has done a great job of putting guys in position this yes this year right like gary payton like to get what he's gotten out of gary payton the second for example who barely made this team um you know he, and i'm sure i'm sure he was involved in even just picking gary payton the second over avery bradley which was not something that the veterans on this team wanted to do uh, by the way um golden state starting lineup has played 450 possessions together they've had good health obviously to give you an idea of how well he's been mixing and matching no other lineup that they have has played more than 53 possessions other than their starting lineup. they are just getting a ton out of unheralded guys like the whole like strength and numbers thing from back in like 2015 and 2016 i always thought that was kind of bullshit like leandro barbosa and 
and you know most spades so like those guys were like you know they they would play well every once in a while it'd be nice but they always got killed when Seth was off the floor and those guys weren't that good they couldn't really be that good in the playoffs uh, and it was really just about how awesome their top six guys were on that team this team actually is strength in numbers like they really do go 10 12 deep um think of all all the guys that they just who had no pedigree whatsoever that they're getting a ton out like Damian Lee Juan Toscano Anderson um reclamation projects like Otto Porter uh he's actually changed up Steph Curry's rotation which I think has helped them despite the fact that Steph Curry wasn't too interested in doing that like that's actually has worked out well and helped them like not bleed points as much when he's been off floor the other important element there for me is not necessarily the way he's changed Steph's rotation but the way that he has worked hard to find a viable balance without Steph on the floor you know bringing in better defenders who can move the ball like that really opened things up and we thought for a long time that playing Draymond Green without Steph Curry on the floor wouldn't work and it doesn't work as well but it has helped Jordan Poole a lot that's for sure yeah another unheralded guy that he's getting a ton out of and people thought that this defense was going to take a step back this and instead they've been amazing they're actually about to completely throttle the Clippers uh, again with 19 steals uh, as we're finishing this up so I I mean they've been so good and they weren't a team that people expected to be good I think a lot of it I can trace back to the the work that he and his coaching staff have done in, in specific things that they have done and so I that's why I think he's like I was like it's not even close uh, that he was like obvious uh, I I just wonder I wonder how much of it like when things regress to the mean a little bit I'm I it'll still look good for sure but will it look this comically good and they've been missing well okay but but we're also talking about just you know what's what's happened so far this year and and also I I keep saying it's gonna regress to the mean the the, I, I I disagree on the sense of like if if it is in if you think the sample is unrealistic then using then saying that this is the team they are is I, I think that's a little bit it, it's unfair just in the way that if a team for whatever reason opponents are shooting 40 percent from three saying oh they suck on defense and that's because the coach is bad like it's it's to me it's the same it's the same flaw um I, but again we both think steve kerr is a fantastic coach the other guy that i had in this kind of level of the conversation i brought up boonholzer already is billy donovan and the bulls i part of it is that they're playing their best defensive players a higher proportion of time but they are currently as we record this podcast they are ninth in defensive rating they are not doing it through opponent shooting luck opponents are shooting 36 percent on threes which is better than league average though they are shooting very poorly on mid-rangers overall it's mostly actually floaters and that is controlled more by the defense and the bulls some of their most important players have been healthy but i mean pat williams is out vooch missed that time due to the covid protocols and so i don't think billy donvin is as good of a coach as the other two but i think he is having a wonderful coaching season and maybe the best evidence of that is that he's been able to manage the rotation so yeah i think he's done a really good job of that crafting lineups that have enough on either end to get by when he has a a lot of players who are limited uh particularly on the offensive end they also really weathered the loss of Nikola Vucevic pretty well Vucevic has struggled but he also does open things up for them at least offensively for it doesn't have a lot of shooting he's gotten a lot out of guys like Javante Green and Derek Jones Jr. who were basically just like total scrap heap guys that that they picked up And, and I said you know he would definitely be in the coach of the year conversation for me if they defended well they have defended so far and and we'll see again like this maybe could just be a lull with the bulls uh, right now or you know they might end up winning 45 games instead of the 39 that i thought they were going to win before the season it'll be like a decent story but they're not really a team that could truly make noise in the east but my he was my number three uh my number two is monty williams yeah i have no problem and, you know, I mean... they, they've, they've only won 16 games in a row and like, again like you just you look at you know we had chris paul as second team all nba and devin booker like kind of in the conversation for third team all nba one eight and, missed, and they've had and good health again extended time but, and they you know they got yeah I, I think he's done a really good job he's you know firmly he's having a fantastic year yeah I, I mean just a, another one of these guys were like okay yeah they made the finals last year but uh people were kind of like oh are they gonna see some regression and like, well, I mean, you know, he was, neither of us he thought they were the best the team in the western year. conference going into this year yeah uh i, I mean I'll, i think a lot of people didn't necessarily see it that way yeah i um, didn't i think i had them third but but yeah so I, I you know just another one where yeah okay fine they're meeting expectations but part of the reason they have these expectations is because that now his great coaching 
has been baked in to to those expectations. So yeah, that's so um, apologies. I actually didn't have Budenholzer in there. I think you know with them being having Giannis it made things a little bit easier. Maybe I probably didn't give enough consideration to to that. Um, I just say again, I I will admit that maybe I've just been not paying enough attention to the Bucks because they just haven't had their team. And I and uh, I, I mean I'm not like I'll put it this way: I'm not like shocked that they've made it to 12 and 8 given like who's been available. Like that's I, I would put that as like a couple of wins above where where I might have had them. Um, I'm actually more shocked that the Sixers were able to be as good as and competitive as they were. Yeah. Uh, although they're now kind of free falling a little bit, so that so uh, maybe maybe that's uh, yeah. Go ahead. There are a lot of coaches that I think are having a good year. I and I don't want to mention everybody. I, I basically have half the league or more in the like also considered category. But one that I wanted to single out, and I don't know whether this is me underrating their talent, which I think is a significant possibility, or that JB Bickerstaff is doing a really good job. But especially when they've been available, the Cavs are just a straight up better team than I thought they were. And I don't know yet whether that's that Bickerstaff is doing a really good job or whether I just underrated Allen and Mobley and some of the other guys. Yeah, I think he's done really well. My number four, if I had to pick one, actually be Wes Unsell Jr. Yep. Who, again, Washington, another team that's really exceeding expectations. I've just, I've liked how connected they've been. Their defense has been fantastic so far, maybe a little bit above their heads, but not that much. I, I don't think um, he's got a lot of guys there who can be in the rotation that are expecting to play. And I think he is really, again, done a very nice job like Donovan and like Kerr of finding groups that they can put out there that are going to work, that are going to play to guys' talents, gotten a lot out of Montrose Harold defensively as well. We'll t- talk about him probably later, uh, I'm guessing. Um, so yeah, I just, I didn't have Bud in that top group. I also would say Ty Lu getting these guys to the number two defense without Kawhi Leonard. That's pretty impressive as well. Um, but I'd probably, I'll at least put Bud in my, uh, also considered despite the fact i didn't really consider him that much that's fine uh <laughs> man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout easy remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen 
cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use your CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. So let's let's go to rookie of the year. And I kind of saw this as a, a couple of different categories. And I will note at the outset that we don't first of all, we don't do all rookie teams. We only do that at the end of the year. Is that I do, do we even do them at the end of the year? <laughs> when we remember we do. And so there are a couple of guys that I think are they're not only outperforming Max. Well, well, we just take our list from the rookie sophomore game, right? <laughs> of course. Just, just use that. Um there are a couple of guys like Herb Jones I wanted to single out for praise, where he's having a very good year and he's been a, a positive he's been a, a player that has really helped the Pelicans but he didn't make my top three and I it, it might be pedigree but also some of it is just like the role within the offense what you're being asked to do and so like Herb Jones and Franz Wagner and I would say to a lesser extent Chris Duarte like those guys are ha- like I'm very happy about their rookie years but to me they're not top so I'll say this before we uh, get into this everyone has had a massive heart on for this rookie class and watching some of the film you can understand why uh the stats for this rookie class are terrible right now like really really bad stuff well especially they, they got, uh, especially uh, offensively there are some guys that are having good defensive years yeah yeah no that's true i mean I th- and that's that's an important point too that they, there's between wagner and barnes and mobley uh even you know davion mitchell even kate cunningham you mentioned joan uh jalen suggs there's actually a lot of rookies who are probably better defensively than offensively um but it, you know for but for a few things for example like you know jalen suggs 44 percent true shooting jalen green 50 percent was actually higher than i thought it was the Davion Mitchell, 44% true shooting. Cade Cunningham, 43% true shooting. Even Chris Duarte, who's going to be on my ballot, is 51% true shooting. Wagner, 52%. Uh, Josh Giddy, 46% true shooting. So, uh, you know, even Mobley and Barnes. I mean, remember, again, league average true shooting is 55%. Yeah. And there are precisely three rookies who have a PER above 15 right now. And as so, we have it, those, my are, my, those one, are my top three. Yeah. Not because of that at all. It just happened. Oh, interesting okay so my number one is evan mobley yep and uh i I think even with the time that he's missed rookie of the year to me uh, i've said this before going back to the joel Embiid, malcolm brogdon debate that i put a little bit more into the idea of just who the better prospect is who the most impactful is just the rookie of the year the the one who was the rookie that was just kind of the most impressive this season and so the fact that evan mobley has played 540 minutes and scotty barnes has played 630 doesn't really factor in to me scotty barnes is my number two but evan mobley to me he's the guy who just looks like a future superstar right now i i actually can't say that i I think there are guys who have a chance to get there but as far as just like how they've played so far this year evan mobley to me is the one guy where you're like all right this guy i feel pretty good about this guy being like a future all-star future all-nba type of player based on what he has done so far just on the floor this season absolutely and mobley has been one of the league not like uh, we didn't have in defensive player of the year consideration but he's been a significant positive defensive player so far for the cavaliers and he's been better offensively than i expected 56 percent true shooting 19 usage that's totally respectable for a big man especially a big man who is who is a rookie and they're kind of trying to find their way and he's playing 34 minutes per game when he's available and sort of similar to you i see this more like all nba where it's like if you've played enough to qualify then i don't consider playing time which is which is where the mobley barnes discussion is and so i i got one more thing for you here on on Mobley. Sure. Despite the fact that he missed a couple of weeks with this elbow issue, he is sixth in the NBA having contested 121 shots. Unreal. At the rim. That's, and he plays a lot of power That's playing forward. power forward a lot of the time. A, a lot of the time, not all the time. Yeah, and a then, lot of power forward. Uh, pretty, very solid as well. Defensive field goal percentage a lot at the rim, uh, 51%. Now, part of that too, I think he benefits from having another big next to him. So some, some shots you'll like, both of them will be contesting a little bit. But I mean, for a rookie to be this high in that number and all, like not just contesting shots, but effectively contesting shots, really, really impressive. 
Yeah, agreed. And Scotty Barnes, even though Raptor disagrees, which is kind of hilarious, I think he's been a positive defensively. And Barnes is holding his own on offense, 53% true shooting, 19 usage. Like that's a solid role within within the offense as a starter. And Barnes isn't hitting threes at all, which was one of our big concerns, but he is getting to the line all right, which is good. And when you consider that the Raptors surrounding offensive talent is worse than average, I would say, getting to the line can really help like that. That's, that's notable. You know, it's not like he's benefiting from unbelievable spacing or something like that. So Barnes has been better than I expected. I think that he has helped his team. And so that's, you know, in most years, like there aren't that many uh, positive players that are rookies. So if you're a po- if you're even close to a positive player, you're probably going to be pretty high on list. Yeah. So Barnes is a clear number two to me. There really wasn't anyone else in serious consideration. Um, and my, my number three, it sounds like you're going in a different direction. I went with Chris Duarte. He's just playing a ton of minutes, even though he's missed a few games. Uh, not incredibly efficient, but he is providing this element of outside shooting and decent defense for the Pacers he's hit some big shots as well which plays into this at least a a little bit so uh, he was I wouldn't consider him a strong number three but he was the best I could come up with apologies to Alperin Schengen and uh, Franz Wagner Wagner I would have had fourth and Schengen probably fifth I guess I I have Schengen third and uh, Duarte being there is not brought my head in fourth so it's not I'm not gonna go too much and and he's been it's not like Schengen is like killing it like he's had some really nice flashes but yeah, yeah, and he's, his, he's like coming off the bench for the worst team in the it's it's fun like he his assist percentage is 21 5 which is you know like one of the higher marks for bigs and i love i love the way the offense looks sometimes when he's on the floor which is something i didn't expect to say at all about the houston rockets but chingun is also only playing 19 minutes per game which is a it's makes it so that we're dealing with a small sample size but also his role within what the rockets are trying to do is much smaller than duarte so again i have no beef there and it's totally hilarious yeah. that chingun is again a model darling like he's you know 17 per um he's he's liked all that kind of stuff because that's what he has been you know it's not a long life but that's what he's been his entire like prospect life we can move to sixth man of the year and partially due to some players just not having as strong a resume either being asked to do less i would say that's part of the story for thaddeus young for example i thought there were three high-end contenders and i think you can make a cogent argument for each of them one of those is of course derrick rose he has been the centerpiece the figurehead of the one of those stories of the year, which was the Knicks bench being significantly more successful than their starters. Rose hasn't been super efficient as a scorer, 54% true shooting, but huge role within the offense. And while he is not the biggest part of their defensive success, he is definitely a part of it. Tyler Hero. I, I think Tyler Hero's case is probably going to be, well, it's, I would say it'd be underappreciated by somebody also has the yay points argument, which is, which always does well. But the Heat have, as of the last time I measured it, a 115 offensive rating when Hero's on the floor, which is far better than when he sits and when you consider his role within the heat it gets a little complicated because sometimes because he can close games too but it's not like this the heat team like i was mentioning the harden you know harden on durant off where there are a ton of really good offensive players i don't think of those second unit heat teams that sort of way so hero and the plus seven net rating when he's on the floor some of that is that he play he can close games which i think is a part of the argument for him as well just as it was for andre Godala years ago not that they're the same type of player at all and then the other one is montrez harrell harrell by the you know the value metrics like uh, i mentioned vorp value over replacement player harkless is actually in the conversation like theoretically if you were to use that as your sole thing he'd actually be in the conversation for mvp he's sixth in vorp right now which is crazy and some of that is those metrics giving montrez harrell a lot of credit for things that i i don't necessarily think are his but he has been you know he at bare minimum montrez harrell has been a superior version of the offensive player that he already was 28 per 70 percent true shooting on 21 usage so so for me, those are the top three. I was wondering before we get into the ordering, did you think anyone else was really in that conversation? So uh, Harold and Hero and who's the third guy? D Rose. Hey, Jalen Brunson. Sure. Would yeah, Brunson. Brunson's my number. Four. Um. Yeah, I actually had Brunson as my number three. Um. And Rose as four. Um. Rose. A lot of the value that he gets in some of the impact metrics is because they're so much better on defense when he's out there, which I I don't give him a ton of credit for. Agreed. Necessarily like he, Rose has. Is a 10.1 in Raptor, but 6.6 of that is on fence. So, but that said, uh, being Rose able to, 30. like we talked about with DeRozan, being able to push that unit to respectable offensively, 
because they have a lot of defensive talent in those lineups like that is there's some value there yeah also rose hasn't quit played as many minutes as the other guys sure so that that was another tiebreaker for me to have him fourth um choosing i, I thought harrell and hero are clearly the top two uh, however um i mean hero with that 29 percent usage and decent efficiency that 29 percent usage is massive he actually now is number one in usage off the bench he started four games as well uh jordan clarkson who is uh not having a repeat of last season is uh second with 29 percent usage but i mean to be above league average and true shooting as a bench guy 29 percent usage on a really good team one of the biggest offensive options on a really good team particularly at the end of games i mean that's that's really impressive like he he at least as of right now you know obviously we'll see if things change and, and he is extremely reliant on jump shooting although he also is a pretty damn good jump shooter so maybe he'll he just is that good um and he also uh gets attacked pretty relentlessly on defense um some of the impact metrics do not uh like his defense uh, very much he's actually 131 in estimated plus minus uh but is also a plus 4.5 in offense wrapped is really good um but i think mantras harrell when you look at the impact metrics in addition to his stats is number one. Oh yeah and uh, i mean me, wizards there's been a lot yeah, of atten- there's been a lot of attention paid to that huge difference for derrick rose uh it's a t- last when i measured it what 20 22.8 net rating difference with rose on and rose off it's pretty similar for Montrez Harrell. It's a plus 9.5 net rating when he's on the floor and a negative 11.2 when he's off. And not all of that, you know, there's a lot of opponent shooting luck and everything else, but the defense has been good when he's been on the floor. And some of that is that he's, you know, grown as a defensive player and he does not have the size of the role offensively that Tyler Hero does, but Harrell has been brutally efficient, 70% true, true shooting on that smaller usage. And so for me, I had Harrell one, partially because even if Harrell is, this is overstating his defensive impact, which I would say that it is, he's still way better on that end than Tower Hero is. And I would say the difference, the difference on that end, even if we think of offense as more important, which I do, I think the Herald's just been a little bit better so far. But I, I they're one and two to me, and there there's a margin between them. Yeah, and some of that defense from from Harrell has been opponent shooting luck, but he's been he's certainly you'd be hard pressed to argue that he's been a liability this year. And man, a good offense. So yeah, Harrell one, Hero two, and Jalen Brunson number three for me. Don't need to talk about him as much he's another one of these guys though where the offense is so much better when he's on the floor except he comes in for Luka Doncic (laughs) a lot of times Uh, and he's played plenty with Luka as well but he was right in this mix last year he's played more minutes than Rose so uh, one Chicago point guard over Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife... And I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And now Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? Like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. 
for another. So we kind of have two different categories left. We have we're we're moving more towards our awards. Um, so I'll give you the choice of where do you want to go. Well, I think executive of the year and not executive of the year is where we've got to go next. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. So I'll I'll, I'll give kind of the framework that I like to use for executive executive of the year. And in certain ways, it's it's similar to coach of the year in the sense of it's like what did you do relative to the opportunities that were available? And remember that we're only considering what an executive did from the start of the 2021 offseason on. So if you built a great team over the last three years, your reward for that great team is your great team. It is not executive of the year for this season. And the more flexibility you have, the higher the bar. The But the three big boxes, and not every GM has these, are how did you do in the draft, especially relative to your draft equity? How did you do in free agency? And how did you do in trades? And th- to me, there isn't anybody who had a like, you know, like a, a perfect offseason leading into this year. Oh, and the other one, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this. It's only relevant in a couple of these circumstances, but hiring the right coach is an extremely important part of executive yeah. of the year for me. Or retaining if there was a question, but if it's like, you know, if you're retaining Greg Popovich, there wasn't a question, so you don't get much credit for it. So I actually thought there were a number of real contenders this year. I thought that there were two well above the others. Okay. Uh, my number one is Tommy Shepard with Washington. The Westbrook trade was fantastic. Bringing in Spencer Dinwiddie, bringing in all this depth. Looks like he hit it out of the park with his coach, Wes Unsell Jr. as well. And just to get the Wizards into a place where they, they're, I think they're not as good as their record so far, but I think they're at least trending towards being like a, a home court in the play-in type of team. And But also just to put the organization on much better footing for the future and to get a coach in there and to also get a team that it seems like there's a decent chance Bradley Beal will stay now as well. Uh, I, I mean, I think you'd be hard-pressed to look at the start of the offseason last year and then where the Wizards are right now and say that that he hasn't done an unbelievable job. And then my other guy was Bob Myers, who I think it's hard. I don't think there's anything that he's... I think their draft was good. We'll see about that. Those guys haven't played much. Uh, but more importantly, uh, they've done a lot of stuff in revamping player development. They brought in Kenny Atkinson for the coaching staff and just a lot of below-the-radar signings um, that have really been outstanding and i mean this like this is they had steph curry and draymond green last year and they weren't any good and now they're looking like you know a a dominant team again so uh, clearly he must have done something yeah i have i have no beef with with either of those i think they're they're both a concession another one that will i i think is who's actually going to win the award is arturis karnishevis and karnasovas sorry i get that wrong he he was four for me yeah and i mean for the derozan acquisition i mean we both had him second team all nba that is that is huge but there was a real cost there and it's sort of similar to the Gordon Hayward acquisition last year for Mitch Kupchak the first year of that is supposed to be the best year and in that case it was stretching Nikola Batum in this case it was giving up picks and sending you know and taking on no they they sent away bad money in that deal but the other things that the Bulls did look really good trading you know getting getting a real return I would say for Lowry Markkinen who didn't really make much sense for where the Bulls were going including getting Derek Jones Jr. in that deal Tony Bradley's a capable backup center and then Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball both fitting in beautifully with this iteration of the team well he benefits from the fact that the Vooch trade is outside of our time horizon absolutely he does and 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 DeRozan looks good it's still made second team all NBA for us or earlier in this podcast low those many hours ago but not quite ready to take a victory lap on the DeRozan deal yet you know we'll we'll see where it is at the end of this year and then let's not forget there's two more years after that one as well and they also had to give up the pick they got it back in the marketing deal that was really good although i would say i would probably particularly if you're going in now i would rather have larry nance than that protected first round pick from the blazers and uh, and particularly with vucevic looking a little creaky so far and, and they could use a, a little bit more uh, defensive versatility at center and, and a guy who can you know isn't like a traditional option but would you rather have would yeah, you they've rather gotten have good nance, stuff out of like, would you rather have nance or that first and Derek jones who's been a nice part of the team i'd still probably rather have nance but it's it's a close. Oh, no, that that's a good point. Yeah, Jones kind of hasn't been hasn't been talked about as much, and that's even something they, that they could resign. It's also supposedly, I think it was Winnors who reported this that they weren't interested in taking on salary for next year. Which I mean, Larry Nance was good salary for next year. They could have moved him if they really had to. Um, and you know they're the Bulls; they print money and shouldn't be too worried about that sort of thing. Uh, I actually had Pat Riley though ahead of Arturis, and I think they uh, Riley and Arturis had somewhat similar off seasons in the sense that they made really 
necessarily like win now moves but i think at least early on win now moves are worth doing if you're actually capable of winning now and i think as nice a story as the bulls have been i don't think anyone still sees them as like a real championship contender where i think the heat actually are that and to make the move for lowry yeah they're overpaying him on the back end they extended jimmy butler yeah they're overpaying him on the back end uh but uh, the the cap gymnastics of the lowry deal all all that cost them was precious to chua and then they're able to get pj tucker as well some of their minimum signings look good so i i think i would have riley above arturis and again if the bulls or the heat don't actually come through the rest of this year both of these guys could end up looking bad you know i mean that's they made some high risk high reward moves looks like they're going pretty well so far but if there's an injury or you know one of those teams just flames out and loses in the first round and then you kind of look down like the cupboard is bare going forward uh, uh, the bulls were under pressure of course to get zach levine to resign which it seems like they're on track to do as well um was there anyone else who's in this group for you not really in this group i i just wanted to briefly mention we could look back on kevin pritchard's offseason as being very successful chris duarte you know you had him on your rookie of the year ballot i had him fourth and then they also hired rick carlisle who i still you know he has his warts but i think he's the he was the best of the overhaul was of the of the coaches who had had previous nba experience now wes unseld and some of the other guys might end up looking better and the pacers despite some weird injury stuff and everything else like i, th- I think that i talked about this a lot with kayla cooper like they're nine and twelve but i think the fundamentals of their season are actually looking decent yeah the pacers are, are among a number of teams that i just don't really have a great feel for yet um let's get to not executive of the year i don't think we even need to spend this much time on, on this one rob Polinka, number one right now is this the second time in three or is it four years that we've both thought you know and i'm not saying rob's going to necessarily be there definitively at the end of the season but it's like it is it is interesting how that has happened what was the other year last year the rondo year oh sorry the first so that was oh 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 yeah when they brought like they put those ter- like lance stevenson that, and rondo was that 2018 lebron yeah. that might have been 18 that was 2018 yeah. yeah um and so i mean with yeah with, well, well maybe maybe we should just put lebron as the as uh not executive yeah, i mean year, you I, I remember one year you wanted to put kd and rich Kleiman as your uh on your executive of the year ballot and so <laughs> i think I mean, it was last year actually but the the uh and that was, might have even been in response to the harden trade which uh, given how unstable Kyrie was i think that trade looks a lot better in retrospect i agree but, and um, so yeah but, Pl- but plink is number one yeah the only thing the only thing i want to say on that is yes the, we, this came up hours ago when we were talking about some other stuff that if the lakers star players were playing better it would look a lot better but as we talked about way back in 2018 in that sort of circumstance it's also putting star we talked about with the warriors putting your role players a chance to succeed that was part of your coach of the year for kerr putting your stars in a position to succeed is important too and lack of spacing really one-way players and a lot of guys that have age and injury risks but the biggest part for me was a lack of understanding about what that team needed and i mean the stuff that's out there about the alex caruso and you know i you know i I, bill Orham had that piece about this circumstance and everything else like that and it's not only like oh the lakers chose money over alex caruso though i do think that is a fair a fair argument to make it's also yes he's been hurt but they signed kendrick nunn for about half the money that alex caruso was making and nunn has been hurt but caruso would be helping them a lot and they have all these other guys where it's like okay the best case scenario is he'll help you in the regular season then he'll be exposed to the playoffs like that's the camera with any part of this and yes lebron is an unbelievable player who can put those players in situations succeed offensively but the lakers focus when you have a star player who's turning 37 in a matter of weeks is can we build a viable title contender and i think palenka not only in the small moves on the margins even though they did well i would say in the minimum market but the bigger okay catavius caldwell pope helps our team alex caruso helps our team montrez harrell helps our team no let's send all those guys away for for russell westbrook like it, it basically it was a fundamental misunderstanding of why other than lebron and ad the lakers were no it's a great point and we saw it last year even when lebron and ad went out they were able to still cobble together some wins based on that defensive identity and you have a coach a defensive coach and they always had a floor when they had those good defensive players so and now they don't and you see that they're they have to perform really well on offense and then the other thing i would say too danny is russell westbrook to me almost goes better with a defensive roster for some of the reasons he's not as good as it as he once was but some of his best years were playing with more defense and because 
if your goal is to just outscore everyone, a guy with 30% usage and 50% true shooting, even if he's setting up other guys, like that's just so much of a drag in your offense that it's tough to just outscore team every night. And, you know, certainly the biggest issue for the Lakers, even more so than the personnel moves, is just that LeBron and AD haven't been to their usual standard due to not being available or not playing as well. So, but still, I mean, the, the Westbrook trade is not working, I think, for all of the reasons that many people could have anticipated. Even though, again, I would say that after the West trade occurred they did about as good of a job as could have been expected the only other guy who's in competition for me uh, is one david griffin and whether whether you part of the job is being at least like credibly truthful with the media about zion williamson's injuries that's that's one thing that that you need to do i mean he clearly doesn't seem to be on the same page with these guys he's like desperately searching for some way to mollifying mollify zion his camp he's looking like a complete idiot in the process and then also hard to say that any of the well i don't know valentunas has been good for them I, I, yeah I and herb, jo- herb jones and, has been good for them too yeah uh but but also i mean t- some of the moves that they made don't really seem to have worked out there for these guys to be i mean they've been more competitive lately for sure without zion zion has now been moved to uh cleared for five on five finally uh but oh i had one it I had doesn't one, seem like yeah i have one ahead. question for you going back to executive of the year i don't think this is a huge factor but we've talked about it a lot over the last couple of years which is tommy shepherd deciding not to trade bradley peel like that could end up being a real like that's one of those things that could look worse in hindsight we'll have to see i just want to mention um and then neil o'shea i wouldn't say he's in the same ballpark as Polinka and griffin but uh when you're getting investigated for workplace conduct that's not really a good thing and the blazers are putzing along at 10 and 10 their defense sucks just as badly as it always did and, and they're like i don't even think their personnel is so bad with that he, he o'shea staked a large part of his reputation on chauncey billups billups has been floundering trying to find tried this new defensive scheme that didn't work as well now they they're changing up a little bit but they still can't stop anybody so i mean they basically have the exact same profile that they had last year and that was he's fired some of his last bullets which was getting nance and then also um the billups hiring so while i'm not i didn't think that any of their offseason moves were bad for the second season or i wasn't really like thinking that they were terrible i thought zeller was a decent pickup and and for your backup center he hasn't been very good for them so far well and the other good you throw the workplace conduct in if we yeah what sorry go ahead sorry the other thing the other group i want to mention we're not there yet but once we get to the point where we can really evaluate some of these draft picks there will be some teams that some front offices that get in that mix like if it looks a six months from now like jalen green over evan mobley was this gargantuan mistake even if you and i both agreed with it at the time the pick was made then that would make rafael stones look worse even though he has a lot of other decisions that you know when they drafted three other first round picks but those sorts of things like Jalen Suggs versus Giddy Kaminga like the, the, there are there are conversations to be had there but it's too early for those conversations as of now there's no one that I, there's nothing that I'm looking at right now with the same fervor as some of the other like most malign picks that you and I've talked about in the past though I do think they could be there I just don't I just haven't identified it yet yeah so uh, others you might consider uh, Monty McNair the whole Walton thing was a fiasco they should have got rid of him during the offseason can we just pick Vivek just like just instead because i'm assuming that was his that was him yeah um you know brad stevens again some of his moves i was kind of on board with but they're they're kind of floundering uh, as well uh and, and you know i'm not sure how good zach Kleiman's offseason is looking right now again this none of these are even can you say had like unequivocally bad off seasons as of this point in time so uh, but i think nobody is in really in the league of palinka and griffin on this for me um everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get to a biggest surprise team. The Golden State Warriors. I mean, I at to- I thought about saying the Cavs at one point because the Cavs being a capable team is something I didn't see coming. But if we're talking about things I didn't see coming, the Warriors being absolutely the best team in the NBA through this stretch is not something I said. No, not at all. And, and I mean, they're, they are, and how many double-digit home wins is it in a row? Yes, they've had a little bit easier of a schedule, but pretty much every big test that they've had, they, they have answered the call. Their two losses are right 
at the end of the game one of them was in overtime um i would say washington and chicago would be my other two in this mix i think cleveland cleveland is a reasonable one too uh they, they should probably be in it but i think yeah i mean golden state was a team that people thought were going to be fighting to avoid the play in including us i i was higher on them than so i picked them for 49 wins so uh but i you know i mean they're on pace for 70 right and and the fundamentals are just as good as the record well and the, also the other one i wanted to mention briefly minnesota being 10 and 10 and having a positive net rating but there is a lot of opponent shooting luck on their ledger they have the second worst opponent shooting percentage so far this year so i think if this holds you know if, if i if we'll see with, with chris finch and everything but i would say they've been more capable than i expected so i would have them kind of as a second tier most surprising but i wanted to mention them all the same uh a lot of really surprising players so far this year i struggled to come up with one but a few candidates that i came up with here i mean some some of these aren't doing some of these players aren't doing enough to like really be in this but a few players that i just thought really deserve some mention uh tyrese maxi he he's definitely in consideration for me for one of the biggest ones uh mantras harrell really bouncing back and being a, as good as he's been particularly defensively jimmy butler on pace for arguably his best season at age 32 draymond green uh, getting back into all nba consideration and particularly how much better he's gotten offensively this year didn't see that coming at all um evan mobley i mean he's my number two been a surprise that he's been uh, he's been as good as he has been he 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 seemed like the guy who was going to take him the longest out of these rookies and instead he's been the the one guy who's really had a a huge impact lamarcus aldridge coming out of nowhere to have this great offensive season Uh, um demar derozan having his best year miles bridges has got to be in there also i would say um you know he he probably would be in my top three i would say cole anthony a guy who just has come out of nowhere to make the magic semi-competent offensively when he's been on the floor jetty osman not exactly a household name before this he's been really awesome from the outside and, and has uh increased the versatility of his jump shot quite a bit gary payton the second coming out of nowhere to have a rotation role on the warriors seth curry he's like doing shit in isolation off the dribble now um and finally lou dort is averaging 17 points a game on above average efficiency which was not something that a lot of people saw coming so uh anybody you wanted to add to that rather expansive list not a ton that i want to add i herb jones being a second round pick that is helping a team like that just that surprised me with somebody i watched a little bit of film on him when he was at out when he was at alabama because of somebody else i'm trying to remember who that was maybe it was kyra lewis and so i was like okay uh rubio just being i mean it's not hugely surprising in the sense of like this player was something that was in there but he's been a positive part for the Cavs. But my number one is Cole Anthony. And Anthony, a reminder that it can sometimes take point guards a little bit. And he was, you know, this is his age 21 season, even though he was, you know, second year. But, and so, like, he's not traditionally eligible for most improved player, which is why we do this differently. But 55% true shooting on 26% usage. Not only is that just straight up good, that is impressive when you consider the surrounding talent and where he was last year. And then as you brought up, the Orlando Magic 109-4 offensive rate when he's on the floor and that falls by almost 19 points per 100 possessions when Cole Anthony is off. Ah! And so for him, and yes, we're we're dealing with just like in many other things, we're dealing with small sample size. The Magic are shooting 36 and a half percent from three when he's on the floor and below 30 when he's off. And so some of those splits will be a little bit different in that circumstance. But for him being a capable NBA player is the most surprising thing for me of anybody if you had told me at the start of this year. All right. So who is your biggest surprise player of the year? Cole Anthony. All right. And I'm going to go with who? I'm going to go Miles Bridges. Yeah, I'm a little worried. But with I uh, mean, Brid- apologies to. Sorry, I was gonna mention i'm a little yeah, worried that bridges could have some of the jeremy grant situation where like he was yeah really I, as soon as you started saying that really I was, efficient at the beginning of the season that, he's I at 56 percent true shooting after their after their game yesterday against the rockets and like the idea that he he is you know a larger part of the offense than he's ever been before but there's a possibility that it was more it was more just like you hit he had the right so like there is a fundamental change but he had the right two weeks to hit everything and that it might be that but I, I love Valdridge. He was great in the game we saw in person. So we'll see. Yeah, it's more just what he, just the as, aspects that he's added to his game. Yes. Uh, and Maxi is kind of like that too. I think particularly for guys who aren't, Maxi doesn't quite fall in this category, but when I, when guys surprise me, it's, like we thought coming in that Miles Bridges was going to be the fourth option on the Hornet. And he's arguably now, and not in terms of who has the ball, but he's arguably the first up. And where you just, it's kind of similar to like Jimmy Butler in 20, 
2015 where you've got this team that's loaded with all these other options and yet you're just so good that you are just pulling your way into a, a significant role maxi of course has been a starter from day one and has had all kinds of opportunity because they just need someone who can do what he can do and i but i i think what bridge is doing is a little bit more sustainable than what maxi is doing um just because he's he's added more skills to his game maxi is shooting i'm not sure if that's gonna hold up necessarily although he obviously has been very good as well but there have been a lot of good surprise players this year um most disappointing team the los angeles lakers 23rd in offense 23rd in yeah. defense as we're recording this podcast clean the glasses version Oof. yeah don't need to say much more beyond that new orleans obviously although once you knew zion was going to be out you didn't think they were going to be a contender you know the denver nuggets are under 500 right now and part of that's because Jokic missed a bunch of games recently but i mean if you just look at their overall record like that's being below 500 is a problem and i would also say the memphis grizzlies who have yes somehow managed to stay around 500 with like a negative seven net rating and their defense is just a complete tire fire right now right and while i think their defense will be is better than this it's sort of in a way the bizarro Knicks last year were like yeah their defense is better than this but are they like legitimately good i don't yeah uh how about most disappointing player there are actually a lot of contenders here um i i will mention some i will mention some of my nominees prominent among them is jason tatum he of the 51 percent true shooting julius randall partially because he got a healthier ecosystem and has been worse which is disappointing ad healthier ecosystem probably not but i mean he just hasn't been up to expectations and then he hasn't played enough due to injury but brandon ingram has had an absolutely brutal start to the season and again i'm not like i'm not getting too far into it yet but ingram he's only played in he's only played in 15 games so far but 51 percent true shooting for him this year 43 percent on twos that is concerning yeah there there are a lot of guys who as particularly guards we talked about some in the all nba uh you can throw bl lillard Doncic, De'Aaron fox Nikola Vucevic has been really bad, particularly like his finishing around the rim. Uh, Tim Hardaway has really struggled so far this year. Some young guys too. Sadiq Bey, RJ Barrett is now under 50% true shooting. Duncan Robinson, it's starting to look like maybe 1920 when he was shooting like 44% for three, that that was a mirage. He's still going to be a dangerous movement shooter, but maybe it's not going to be a guy who's just you know taking ridiculous shots and is over 40% every single season like clockwork. Some other young guards too. Kevin Porter Jr., is, it's been a little better lately, uh, but he's really struggled. Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Isaac Okoro is 44% uh, true shooting right now. There are a lot of guys who, who have really kind of struggled. Um, but I, yeah, if I had to pick one I, I haven't said I haven't said my number one yet. Oh, please. LeBron James. And some of this is he will play better, but I did not expect to, at this point in the season, be grappling with the idea that we might, that we might just, he might not have that same gear anymore. And yeah, I mean, he's been dealing with a muscle injury and some of this other stuff is anomalous, but he has looked more mortal in various different ways to start the season than I even thought was like reasonably possible. And so if it's disappointing to me, that that's like jaw dropping. I wouldn't say it's jaw dropping just because of his age, like it and and the fact that he's had the injuries as well. But I, I agree with you. The reality is right now, and you can say this is going to change, but the reality is right now that LeBron James is not playing like the type of player that he needs to be for the Lakers to make. Like he still needs to be at least in the conversation for the best player in the league for this Lakers team to be a true contender. And, and I agree with you. He hasn't been that. Now, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that he can get better, that come playoff time, you know, if they actually make the playoffs course or avoid the play-in, that he can be what he needs to be. But, I mean, do with this fact what you will. But the reality is that he is not at the level that he's been at previously and so far. And this is this has been the worst that he's looked, you know, ba- basically since I've been watching, you know, since since like his second year in the league or something like that. So I'm uh, father time, uh, as, as they always say. Uh, he wouldn't be my pick though I would say in terms of what my expectations were for this player I think Luka Doncic would be it for me because I thought he was going to come out and be in in one of the leading candidates for MVP he had just such an unbelievable playoffs a year ago and his free throw rate being way down not being able to hit a shot again maybe that'll change but he just he is not he has not looked like the guy who is just going to go out there and dominate and and it's Um, it's not just missing a bunch of threes Luca's making five percent fewer twos this year than last year which is a significant drop and it's you know and when you think about a player going into his age 22 season and the mid and you could say the mid-ranger like it hasn't fallen at the rates in or as 
earlier in his career, but maybe those were a little bit unsustainably high. So Luka is a totally viable pick. And I think having a 22-year-old that we thought of as being a serious MVP candidate who is not even, like he's barely on the this fringes of All-NBA is deeply disappointing. Agreed. Well, this will be the last you hear from Mr. LaRue for about a week or so. and But we have an awesome week planned for everyone. We're actually going to make a free preview of Dunked on Prime for everyone this week. Got a ton of great guests in Danny's stead. And we'll talk to you all through the rest of the week. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.